0: Hi, welcome back to Books and Broomsticks. I'm Chaotic Witchot,
1: and I'm Heather Plays.
0: And today we are talking about academic articles and their benefits to our practices.
1: Yes, our I knowledge. I get that UPGs are important, but also <laughs> we should talk about, um, you know, other uh, like research articles are also important research papers studies um i'm just saying so yeah
0: do you prefer academic articles to like books
1: no i'm a hmm, well hmm when talking specifically about like the study of witchcraft mm-hmm. I prefer articles because usually when we're looking at, like, academic articles or scientific articles, mm-hmm. there's a lot less feelings attached to them. Um, And I know that when I'm reading some things, if I get too many opinions or too much feeling involved, that all of a sudden I, like, it sways my bias. But if it's a lot more clinical, mm. then usually I can take that and digest it a little bit more.
0: Okay. Uh, cleanly I guess
1: I'm using air quotes
0: yeah. um I don't have a preference I think a lot of the information that I've found comes from academic articles prior to books um but that's just because you know you don't need it you don't need to actually do research to write a book <laughs> that is very <laughs> true <laughs> which is why cross-reference cross-referencing is important um listen if you want to do like because I say this about witchy books all the time everyone has their own opinion practice and UPG you may not agree you may not find it beneficial so if you're working within a particular tradition or practice if you understand the historical context first and then add on with Mm -hmm. opinions practices etc it creates a much more flushed out knowledge base
1: yes it's it's like the whole saying like uh the customer's always right in taste and opinion you gotta remember guys that eventually opinions are not the most effective things um so if you want to do the best of your practice or get the most out of your practice you you do need some academic in your life
0: we do as much
1: that. as we all love, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, go ahead. As much as we all love a good, uh, fluffy, good time at UPG, um, it's just important to get some historical knowledge, some uh, academic study, uh, mm-hmm. all of that good stuff.
0: I so. agree. So, what defines an academic article?
1: So, to me, because I'm going to suppose that there is a bit of debate about what an academic article is. Because if you're like going strictly based off of title alone, it would be a article written by an academic. I typically think that academic articles are uh, things that follow uh, articles that follow the scientific method is typically the way I like to look at it. However, that's kind of hard to talk about when you're talking about like history or uh, observed culture.
0: I mean, most of the time, academic articles are written by people who have studied it. So um, academics like people in college, grad school, people with PhDs, doctorates, et cetera, they usually have to pass a academic quality test before, mm-hmm. and they usually are peer-reviewed by other scholars and academics multiple times before they are actually published.
1: Yep. And another uh, great little side note is if you guys do ever read an academic article, you will then also have the ability to read somebody's opposite opinion. their, yeah. you know, checks and balances, which is another great thing about academic articles. If you're reading it and you're like, wow, this doesn't slap with me, look at the peer reviews. Be like, oh, this person agrees to this part, but they disagree with this part. My um, favorite
0: well- thing is um, the back and forth between academics in like the 1900s.
1: Yeah, no, it- there are...
0: It's so insane. You could just go back and forth.
1: Hilarious. Oh my god. Hilarious. Um, the book uh North American folklore and the historian, uh, by I don't remember who that's by right now. Um (laughs) it actually starts, it's the guy who originated the term fake lore. He actually starts off his like entire book going everybody's argued with me forever. (laughs) And and it's just a chapter of these old guys arguing with each other. (laughs)
0: That's so fucking funny. Like, (laughs) usually a decent chunk of academic articles will have little, like, pieces where it's like, prior to the opinion of this person in this article, this is actually what I think and what a lot of other... So it's like, even if it's not a peer review you can be reading something and you're like oh tea, tea. <laughs>
1: they get so and everyone does
0: it it's so <laughs> funny you'll be reading it's like prior to the opinions of these two people who wrote these books this is actually what's historically accurate and you're like oh <laughs> i like, love it sometimes sure. i stumble upon gossip Yes, Like, in the academic realm. I'll be reading and I'm like, oh, we are fighting.
1: Oh, I didn't realize y'all just, like, waved like that. My bad. Like, am I I in the middle of mommy and daddy having an argument? Like, my bad. I didn't mean it. So fucking Uh, funny. And they're so petty about it, too. Mm -hmm. Like, they're really passive-aggressive about, like, the the argument. Like, there's not a, I'm going to trash on this guy. It's usually like, hmm, Yeah. Sure, he got a master's at Harvard, but you know, my honest opinion, and then you're just like, Okay, calm down. <laughs> sure,
0: he spent five years living here and collecting field work, but in my opinion, and you're like, <laughs> You're just reading, trying to get information, like, um, hmm. And then on the opposite end, they'll reference good like ones they agree with too, and you can just take those and bounce off into another research journey. But anyways, um, Academic articles, typically you can find on like through your college on JSTOR. If you don't want to pay for JSTOR, academia.edu just has you sign up and you get free articles and it allows people, academics to upload their articles for free. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we research for the right academic article?
1: Um, So there's a few ways that you can definitely do that. Um. either A, you can go to Google Scholar. That's actually a first place I generally go. We love it. Google Scholar is fantastic. The problem is is that it'll pop up with everything with those keywords in it. So sometimes it gets a little much.
0: Yeah, I realized recently... (laughs) So I'm like why does JSTOR like pay and what people are like well it's a search service when you pay for JSTOR you're paying for the database but you're also paying for the ability to use like the advanced search option and their specific search engine to parse through academic things which takes is very reliable and takes a lot less time um then let me google like you have to put mm-hmm. it in 12 different words and you may still get Something irrelevant. Yeah.
1: Um, there's also uh the rabbit hole method, which I always call the rabbit hole method. Basically you'll go to a book, go to your the bibliography of said book, go to the article, and then the article has five bajillion other cited sources. So then you go to all of those places. So when it's like how to research for the right academic article, sometimes all you need to do is look for the right book or the right, or the wrong article that'll get you to the right place. Um, It all just kind of depends on how you go about it. My method, the rabbit hole method Mm takes forever. So please, unless you have crazy time on your hands, like I did when I did not have uh an overnight job. Um don't do that method. Look for a JSTOR. Look for a publishing library. Uh even Google Scholars a little bit better than that. But if you're bored, got a few hours to kill, um, you know, go cite us go find a cited source. And we love a cited source
0: in this house.
1: Yes. Um
0: I would say, what am I thinking about?
1: What kind of practitioners should re- read a primary Oh, I wanted type.
0: to touch oh. base on how there are different like disciplines in academic articles. Yes. Um, Like an anthropology article and a folklore article are not the same. Yes. And both of them are going to come from a different approach and look at things in slightly different ways. Mm-hmm. And depending on who you are and what you're trying to research, you may find more benefit <clears throat> in a different discipline. For me... Folklore, like, articles with, like, the beliefs of people and how it affects their life is typically where I find a lot of information. Um, however, I've also found a lot in ethnographic studies, um, specifically ones on folklore and religion. Yeah. So they all are looking at things, but in a slightly different way.
1: Yeah, always make sure that you're double checking what kind of article you're reading. Yeah. Um, there has been countless times where I'm like, wow, love magic. This sounds like it's going to be such a cool article for me. And then I'm sitting there looking at graphs um, that have nothing to do with, like, the actual practice itself, but how many different cultures feel like they have been uh, afflicted by love magic and how the interdi- interdiscipline of Blah, 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 And then it just keeps going. Yeah, That's not important to me.
0: But somebody
1: who is studying for ethnography, that would be very important. So that's why you got to just be careful with what you're studying.
0: Be careful and also be critically thinking about articles. I like to use the who, what, when, where, why method.
1: That is a very good method, especially because, you know, I would assume if you're looking into academic articles, your critical think brain should already be on. But if you need a reminder, yeah, just look at it. So, um. Also, if things ahead. hurt your... Oh, sorry. No, go if ahead. If things hurt your feelings in there, check the date it was written. <laughs> there are countless times where I've read an article going oh my God, he just called me a what? And then I look at when it was written and I was like, "That that's normal. That was.
0: There are terms that are, were generally accepted as okay to use in academia that are no longer generally accepted to use. Um, and sometimes you find them and you're like, ooh, hmm. Um, I want to touch base on the who, what, when, where, why. Because I have a list. Who is, who, obviously, who wrote this paper? Um, Are they an ethnographer, folklorist, someone in the culture, someone in the past? Are they approaching through the lens of someone who's lived in the culture? Are they assessing, what are they assessing? How are they kind of going about it? Are they studying customs? Are they approaching it from an outsider's perspective or an insider? And then will they be respectful of it based on that? Mm -hmm. What, what is this paper about? Um, in what ways does the author present information and what approaches the paper or book taking this kind of further looks at is it a folklore paper ethnography anthropology sociology um, do we need more context based off of what they give us is a cultural context given uh, what is the goal of the paper how is how is it really like is there is it serving a particular bias or particular thesis um, the question of what flushes out methodology, lens, and context. When? When was the paper written? Yeah, Um, It's a huge part of the research process because especially when we're looking at culture, folklore, magic, it's a living, breathing thing. It changes with people over time. So as new people come into the culture, knowledge and traditions are passed down and slightly changed based on those people's beliefs. So in 1900s Italy, 1900s, yeah, in the 1900s in unified Italy, the culture was incredibly Catholic and most of the folk magic was heavily syncretized, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when people immigrated who were present in that culture in Italy in the 1900s, when they brought that over, that's what influenced the diasporic practices of Italian-American folk magic. But a recent paper by Dr. Angela Puca, remarks that there's been an evolution in syncretism and the newer tradition is more inclined to mesh paganism with the folk magic rather than catholicism and there's also more of an inclination to identify as witches rather than just not calling it anything so we when we look at what it's is this it also like includes language right are they using terms that no longer make sense what do those terms used to mean what do they mean now because sometimes we're reading something, and it's like the primitive culture, and you're like, the what? The yeah, what? There,
1: that is a uh, a pretty big definitive thing. Because even now, when we look into, uh, like a short introduction to mythology, a book written by, uh, I, I always have these things be, right before I get on, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. eh, they're gone now. Um, Sigal, that was his name. Um, he talks about <clears throat> Joseph Campbell's primitive culture all the time. Yeah. Joseph Campbell is actually one of the most uh I would say one of the most influential people when it comes to mythology and the study of culture. Mm -hmm. So you cannot take him away from the whole situation, but you have to realize that the second he says primitive culture, he is meaning something that is fine for his time now is not acceptable.
0: Yeah. A lot of people still use that term to define anything and anyone in a region that didn't have access to certain things until a specific time
1: yeah there was uh there's a lot of debate on who still is considered a primitive culture um and it's once again this is the whole who what when where situation because if you ask a lot of uh psychologists like a lot of them actually suggested that it was the belief in religion over science that made them a primitive culture whereas other psychologists argue that you need to have both in order to be yeah. considered any kind of culture. Once
0: again, every academic has a fucking opinion.
1: Yeah, every we're single on, one of them.
0: <laughs> we're unaware, where was the information collected from? Where is the individual writing it from? Did they travel to a specific region or are they working from, from like a particular learning or were they born in a certain region and in a culture and talking about there? And where is one of the most important aspects Especially if you're like me, a reconnector, we can search and search and search and search and learn about folk magic. But if it is not in our region, it's not going to be a hundred percent accurate.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean,
0: go ahead. So sorry.
1: I that's you're so right because mm-hmm. like that's exactly why folklorists have two different disciplines that they have to intermingle there's the uh librarian folklorist that's typically what everyone considers me because i don't go anywhere but like bar tolkien who was a field researcher of native american culture he was there Mm -hmm. he was writing about it in the location that's what makes him such a prolific writer when it comes Mm -hmm. to native american studies
0: especially um where also helps us understand how this information will benefit us Right, how we can actually utilize it in our practice and in the process of learning. Because if I'm reading a work about like Carlo Ginsburg, right, wrote about the night battles in North Italy of the Benedanti, that doesn't resonate with me because I am not North Italian. And even though we have, and I'm speaking specifically about Italy, there are a lot of similarities in Southern Italian folk practices because similar a lot of people who had similar jobs farmers or peasants is the word that a lot of people use peasant farmers we love them um and a lot of people uh had some access to like similar climate and a lot of people also had similar beliefs because as north italy quote unquote progressed and did all these things and got richer South Italy was kind of left out of that, that equation. Um and so all of these things in South Italy like when I talk to other south southern Italians even if something doesn't 100% resonate it still makes sense in the cultural context of my family
1: mm-hmm. and my
0: region, my family's region because we there are similarities in South Italy that are not in North Italy. In the same way that there are similarities in the Midwest and on the east coast and the west coast but if you try to do west coast and midwest or east coast and the west it's not going to totally make sense because it's different regions it's yeah. like culture and they a, regional culture um and they have a
1: lot of things that don't make a lot of things that wouldn't make sense to one another because of climate as well like yep. exactly as you were saying
0: and our last part is how <clears throat> was the information in this paper gathered and how is it presented how information is gathered adds on to what, when, where, how, in helping us extensively study and become familiar in the way in which information is presented and gathered. This could be a particular academic approach, a visit to a country to learn from someone. Um, and when we study and critically think about the information is presented, it allows us not to acknowledge whether the information is beneficial, but it also allows us to understand that there may be biases in the text that we need to acknowledge. At the same time, I had a conversation with my teacher, Lisa, you should listen to our episode with her, recently, um, about how information is presented because there's a book written by someone where they really just went and collected a bunch of different formulas and presented them without a lot of cultural context to serve their own kind of opinion on the folk magic. And so it's the question of, especially when we're in a practice where, like, the tradition of segnatore is initiatory. and When that, with that initiation, how are these formulas being spread? How are they being learned? Are you utilizing them? And I had an entire conversation where I was like to my teacher, I'm like, I didn't really feel as though any of the formulas in the book were ones I could use because they were not given to me by the practitioner. Even Mm -hmm. if they were given by someone who received it, I am not receiving a direct link to that practitioner to pass me that formula and that method I can learn like oh this is kind of the general formula of like words signatures like motions right (laughs) um but I'm not gonna take a book that in this part this book didn't really give a lot of cultural context it didn't talk about some very important aspects of the culture that influenced the folk magic I actually left that book went and read other books and then went back to it Because I'm like, I felt like I was missing things.
1: How is also like arguably one of the most important parts, right? Because we see an influx of witchcraft books that because they don't really get that how when they're doing their research and putting their stuff together, we're getting an influx of witches who are practicing without knowing why or how or what or any of the other ones because they didn't really understand the how that thing was collected and it wasn't given in a... I would argue ethical way. Um, One of the biggest, biggest, and I might get a couple of grumps about it, whatever. One of the worst books, in my opinion, now is the Encyclopedia of Spells. I own the Encyclopedia of Spells. I've read through it. And that by itself, the how... Goes into exactly why it's a bad book. And I, and I obviously we have the belief that there are no bad books, but it's a non contexted book. It is very brief, very quick, gives you all of this information that means nothing to you, but you could start trying everything out in that book, but it won't be helpful or effective to you because you don't have the context to attach to it.
0: I own that book and I didn't find it beneficial. maybe I will leave this in. I own the book and I didn't find it beneficial because it was utilizing a lot of ingredients and ideas and spell methods that I was completely unfamiliar with. And for me, a really big part has always been, why am I doing this? It's why in my book, when I write a spell out, I'm like, these are all the reasons I'm using these ingredients. And this is why I'm using this method. Because a practitioner cannot create their own spells and evolve in their practice if they just are given information and say, just do it this way.
1: Yeah. Um, I th- And I challenge a lot of, I think that this is part of why sometimes I'm not the best received is because of this exact thing. I challenge a lot of people to give me their reasoning why they're doing a lot of things. Um, I am very fervent in my why. So that's why anytime someone's like, wow, Matt sure sounds like he's just standing on the soapbox. It's because I am. <laughs> it's because we're missing a lot of that context when we mm-hmm. don't ask how these different things are, you know, grabbed onto. Um, so that's why I really, really fucks with this episode. Because this is like, I love being an academic and I love being a culture um. Person, I love being somebody who studies culture, a folklorist.
0: Right, it's so fucking fun.
1: <laughs> but if I didn't have all of the other parts to it, I would just be spouting nonsense because it doesn't mean anything to anybody.
0: Yeah, it's why we give so much context in these episodes, and yeah, it's, it's why, why should... a lot of times I let Matt take the reins because Matt has the context and I don't.
1: <laughs> and I get a little, I just get a little upset when I'm uh. I think I could do a better job of making sure that everyone realizes it's it's context that's important. I know that I can go on some rambling.
0: But I love your rambling. Your rambling um, is what makes the episode. And if not everyone likes the rambling, that's fine because sometimes <laughs> some there's the, we got there, there's a thousand, almost 1500 of you now, by the way, and we love every single one of you. Absolutely. Uh, and if you're feeling it, send us an email. <laughs> about how books and broomsticks has helped you. <laughs> what kind of practitioners should read? I said primary texts and academic articles because I but primary texts are slightly different than academic articles and I think we should divulge why.
1: Okay, everybody. The answer is everybody. The bigger the next part of the answer is uh primary texts versus academic articles. Um in my personal opinion, you should still do both, but if you are reconnecting, or if you are pegging of a exact path. Mm-hmm. So not your not your eclectics, not your uh pan eclectic, whatever, you know, the the ones who are not very precise in what they are. You guys can probably just get away with academic articles. Yep. But if you are a Hellenistic pagan, you're going to want primary texts. If you are a heathen, you are going to want primary texts. If you are a Italian folk practitioner in 2023, <laughs> you're going to want primary texts and academic articles. I
0: don't know if we... We don't have a lot of primary texts. Well, we do have some. There's the Trotula and Pliny, Natural Selection of history and i wouldn't consider the iradia a primary text that's a folklore
1: yeah that's that's Uh, (laughs) Uh, that's that's why i'm saying you want both but you're gonna want some primary texts um as part of that Mm -hmm. uh i would also argue that i think a lot of people need to get a little more uncomfortable and read some of the really old academic folklorists um Mostly because I had to get uncomfortable, so now I want everybody to share in the misery.
0: My problem (laughs) now it's everyone's problem.
1: Yeah, I'm like Frankie Read Fraser. If I Frankie's probably irritated with me saying read Fraser. Um, I'm not. uh, Okay, well, I'm gonna keep doing it.
0: Refraser? Like am I? I rephrase
1: things? No, 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 no. Fraser, Fraser. The oh
0: fucking Fraser.
1: It's me. <laughs> I'm the problem. It's me.
0: Anyways, <laughs> go ahead. Continue your tangent. Um,
1: so that's going to be one of those situations where you're looking at somebody who is looking at primary texts and also an academic and academic papers. Um, and that's why we all kind of got to get into that real uncomfortable spot because face up old white men way back in the day were the ones who had access to all of that um, info, you know, everything that was in the museums that were stolen. So you need to sometimes got to get uncomfy in order to go talk to, um, or in order to go see the stuff that's important to your culture. That makes sense.
0: It does make sense. Um, I don't, I don't have anything else to add. (laughs) Uh, I think we covered everything,
1: yes, I believe I believe that is everything. Um, I cannot tell you enough how many times I must repeat understand the value of those papers at the time because I promise you, the older you get, the more uncomfortable you're going to be. yeah,
0: I'm or right. maybe maybe
1: it's just me because, you know, person of color having to read old white men texts on a regular basis, yeah, that's yeah. not fun. Um but yeah, just who what when where and why. Did we cover why?
0: Yeah. Wait. We covered
1: why. No, we covered how.
0: We covered how. We didn't cover huh?
1: why. Oh.
0: Wait, did Why we- did they write it? <laughs> how? I have how, what, when, where, what, no. I have who hold on. I have who, what, when, where, and how. I feel uh, like how is very similar to why.
1: Yeah, I feel like how and why can share, share a boat. We so. can share.
0: They can share. They, okay. they can hang together.
1: I'm very glad that this is the, like, ramble tangent that we've just decided to end on.
0: How, what, when, where? No, why. No. No one knows why. No. No. Um. The final thoughts. Okay. Thank you for listening to Books and Broomsticks. I'm Catequitrot. I'm at Hatter plays. I'll talk to you guys next week.